Well, hello, welcome to episode 14 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but also things that we think could relate to you and your one and only life. And we want to just continue having a conversation, and we're going to start continuing that conversation from our lead pastor. He got to teach this Sunday, Brett Nicholson. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good, <laughs> good to be here. Yeah. He's back at it. I love it. That's all right. Yeah. I'm back in. No better than I was before. No, it was great. great. I, I did well. introduce you odd there, though. So that's part. I'll put that on me. I, I put it on you, too. I yeah. mean, I thought something was going to kind of set me up a little better. It's kind of like getting yeah. a bad pitch and swinging anyway. You, you know? did, but, it, but, but you still hit it, and we're going to. Okay, good. Yeah, you're on base, and we'll all move right. on all to right, uh, joining us today. We have um, Michael Karen, and mm. Michael's been on with us before, and we're excited to have him back on the podcast today. It's good to be here. And then joining us for the first time, um, our technical arts director for One Life Church, and that's between all of our campuses because One Life Church is one church in multiple locations, is Jason McCord. Thank you. <laughs> I feel so welcome. <laughs> so welcome. And I think it's important. We want to talk about what Jason does um, here at One Life Church. And Jason is part of our um, uh, creative arts and communication team. And uh, he's also just someone who makes sure... Anything that you see tech-related at One Life Church, whether that's in our auditoriums, in our kids' rooms, in um, kids' check-ins, anywhere you can think of, Jason's probably had a part of either making sure it is working or making it work for the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Make, making sure that it's actually functional. Does that ever feel overwhelming? Uh, if I sit and think about it for too long, Yes. Okay. Every, so every the, once in a while, the yeah. secret is just keep moving. Yeah, the secret is just to keep moving on to the next next okay. task. Yeah. yeah. If I sit and think about everything I have to do or the people I have to talk to, yeah. you know, as far as in their roles, it can feel overwhelming. Because mm-hmm. I think the I, I think the thing that they've even shown mathematically is that problems don't uh, add; they multiply. Because like if you open a new site, you're it's it's exponential effect of different problems, not just you get a few extras. you, yeah. you actually get a multiplied. I would I would agree so, with that fully. Yeah, we didn't tell you that when we hired you, but yeah, yeah that's the, we know <laughs> that that's true. Because imagine that. I mean, you think about all the different things that could go wrong within a building simply on a technical side. Yeah, and it, it's uh, it's a multiplication effect. It really is. It really is, yeah. So that's why you got to keep moving. Just got to keep moving on to the next one. Well, and Jason's when, one of those people. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, when you think about the technical world, too, it's rarely is it the rarely is the problem what you see. The problem is always like, this isn't working, so I have right. to go through these steps and find. It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but the haystack is... Made out of needles. <laughs> Made out of needles. <laughs> it's three different <laughs> campuses. <laughs> it's, it's, it's three different yeah, the haystack campuses is three different between. campuses. Or, exactly. or a haystack at each campus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and we've said before, and, and you know, one thing that Jason and I always talk about is like anytime you think that you're going to figure this out, like, oh, I'm just going to go hook this up and it's going to take me like 10 minutes, <laughs> no. three hours yeah. later, and you're like, I don't know why this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. And that's the majority of every kind of technical issue that pops up. And, you know, Jason's job is not always to be the one who fixes it, but he resources a lot of volunteers, helps connect a lot of volunteers between all of our campuses to make sure that they do have the information they need, or if they don't, we help. he helps find find them um, that information. Sure. So, yeah. One of the wonderful good. things about, about this job too, is it's, uh, it's really allowed me to get in contact with other churches, their technical people talk through some other ideas that they might have, uh, not just on repairing or fixing things, but what they use and mm-hmm. what they've seen work for them. So yeah, just getting that kind of a base of, of people I can call upon is Great. It's funny because the the where the job came from is I asked uh, Natalie, our our executive director, she's kind of our chief of staff. I said, okay, in the next run, 
I want you to go through and do just an analysis of all that's happening and all the staffing and everything else. And you pick, we, we had, a, we could hire basically one person who had the money. Um, what hire would you make? And, and I, I think she took like two weeks mm-hmm. and came back. And honestly, when she came back with technical arts director, I thought really <laughs> of all the things <laughs> we could have, it's that. And she said, absolutely. And she proved it to me. I knew she would. She did all the research. She said, if I could get all the campus pastors not having to worry about that stuff and all the volunteers service that way, it would have an enormous impact and have an exponential impact. And she was right. That's true. It was, it was right on. But the first the first glance at it was like, why? It seems like that'd be way down the list, but it wasn't. She said it was actually, it had the impact of mm-hmm. lifting a huge burden off a lot of people. And so they, they could do, especially with campus pastors, you know, they used to get tied up in technical issues every mm-hmm. Sunday morning nearly, and some of them still do. You know, you still have to wrestle with that stuff, but it's made it an enormous, enormous difference. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And we're yeah. all glad you're here, and if you left, we'd all be in big trouble, and they'd <laughs> mourn your loss big time. Well, I have heard, though, that like at conferences, they've, they've actually said that, that, you know, if you don't have a person in a technical role, you're you're not going to make it, more or less, oh, absolutely, because yeah. because everything's going to just going to pile up, pile up, pile up. Listen pile to up, him so. pouring on the job security. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is. Thanks, right. You guys don't have me. This is another way to ask for a raise. <laughs> but I, but this is one of those things. And if you're if you're in the congregation, you're in the crowd. It's kind of like your representative, like soundmen and all yeah. that. It's one of those things that if it's going right and going well, you don't notice at all. It's mm-hmm. the way it ought to be. But if it's not going right, everybody notices. And yeah. so if you're doing your job and everything's going well, everybody, that's why everybody's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but that's why, like being a sound man's thankless job because people only notice you when you do it wrong. And they'll look back uh, at you when it, when it exactly. does. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's feedback. Yeah. Everybody but looks otherwise through. they just. If the sound's right on, that's, yeah. and that's exactly, that's the technical <laughs> arts director life. Right it really there. is. It really that's is. Right. All credit in heaven. And, <laughs> yeah. great. and Jason has, you know, a nickname around our staff. We call him the tech. Hulk, um, because yes. not only is he the tech guy, but he's also the guy that we know if we need to help moving something, Jason's the guy that's going to be there and pick it up with a pinky and move the whole thing. That's so. true. After yes. all the other men have tried. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's true. He's also true. a, uh, he's really good at doing the floss dance. So if you ever I see am. Jason I'm around really one life campus, you need to ask him about that. that. thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. He's really good at it. <laughs> I'm Brett's terrible. Like, I can't I do it. Like, I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm just He's also a nut clubber. Yeah. I'm also Ooh. yeah. Side West Club, Side the official. That's right. I've seen him in his hat and everything. And what were you this year? You you were like, I was the main parade room. chairman. Yeah. So the main parade that happens on that final day. That's uh, I had to make sure all that went off yeah. without a hitch. So if you enjoyed the parade, hey, yeah. give him a give him a call. That's, <laughs> You're welcome. That's, good. that's, yeah, that's right. That's Man, right. This is Jason's podcast right now. This is great. I feel he's, bad. He's I feel also like a you, former theater nerd. Yes, too, like, I was. So like, that's actually where, uh, like, you know, because that, that actually I would say, bar none, I've told people this, that that's helped me in this job because all the all the stuff that I did in theater, I was more of an actor slash director mm-hmm. in, in college, but our professors always said, if you're going to be in theater, learn every aspect because you may never get, you might, you might not get the role, but as long as you know sound or lighting or something, you might be able to get it. You know, oh, another okay. position. Yeah, you, you could have a role. So it was yeah, like, yeah. Sense. So we we yeah. we all ran the gamut, uh, everything from makeup and That's costumes cool. to lighting and sound. So 
needs to be that way for church people. Well, speaking yeah. of theater, yeah, yeah. that's a good yeah. segue. That's a good segue. I think we could. Uh, <laughs> we did on Sunday. We talked about uh, the story of Joseph and the life of Joseph, and I did reference at the top because this is kind of a neat thing. It is such a good story that has been converted into movies, and it's been converted into a very successful Broadway musical that was written, I think, back in the early seventies, and uh, uh, I forget the authors, but they were big deals uh, back in those days. And uh, but the, we did not know this at the time when we were coming into the subject today that Michael had performed and been a part mm-hmm. of the production of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Mm-hmm. That is true, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was my junior year, I think, in high school. I went to Mount Vernon High School. And uh, yeah, we did that. So uh, what'd you do? Were you were you Joseph? Were so you, I was um, I was originally Reuben. I was the oldest brother. And mm. um, yeah. And then uh, part of the way through, the guy that played the lead um, fell sick and we did several performances. And then, so in the last few, I played Joseph. You did so, play Joseph. Yeah. Okay. So you got uh, to, uh, big shoes to fill because okay. that is a, it's a big role. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a really big role. Now I've never seen the production itself. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard it. Good. Would you recommend it's really it? Like, good. Yeah. Try to I mean, I like the, the, I think the one that was done in 1999 was like, there was, I think Donnie Osmond was in that one. So it's a little bit hard to watch because I'm not a, be slamming on Donnie no, Osmond he's now. great. Come I'm on, sure man. he's great for he somebody. Is. I'm sure his wife likes him. Sure his wife, hey. No, people like him. I'm sure there's a Donnie Osmond fan it's club. A, I'm just yeah. not in it. Yeah. Um, but I am Donnie if you're out there. But no, even even Donnie did a great job. But no, it's great. It's They do a great job of not just telling the story, but... The different, the different supporting roles leading up to it. And of course, in a musical, everything is just a little bit more dramatic, and, but that's the point behind it. And, sure. and um, so they do a great job telling the story. So every time you reference different things, I was, we were talking about this in a staff meeting, um, there are a lot of things about the story that I know because of the musical and because like stuff stuck with me, like Potiphar's wife and the brothers and, and, and all of that stuff. And uh, so they did a great job. It's really good. So it does follow the story pretty well. It does I mean, largely. It does yeah. try to track it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. I'd always heard it and I thought, ah, yeah, they, they, it's probably just a tag and then they go on and right. do their own thing. They just but sing the, they just sing the story, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and what's cool, what they do is each song, especially for a Ruben, this just sticks out to me. It's not, it's been like 18 or 19 years since I was in it, which is kind of sickening to think about. But the um, each song is, is a different style. Like one song is like more Parisian style. One song is like more Middle Eastern. Another song is country Western. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me as a vocalist, like especially playing the part of Ruben, I had to be really elastic. I had to be, I had to sing with a, a country Western accent while dancing at the same time. And uh, and then I had to sing with a Parisian accent and I can't remember all the other songs. Yeah. Um, but it was really, you had to be really elastic in that role, but it was a lot of fun. Is this recorded blast. somewhere? I don't think so. It was 1990. <laughs> they had videotape back in those days. It was days. the same year that Donnie Osmond did it. Look what? at that. Oh, my and then, gosh. And here you were, we were kind competing. of... There's got to be a VHS of this There has somewhere. to be. There might be. Yeah. You know uh, what? Where I, was this? Mount Vernon High School? It was Mount Vernon. Yeah. It, it's, you know this past weekend, I was talking to my uh, our theater director yeah, at, at the time, so maybe I could ask him. That's right. We message. can make some calls. If, uh, so, here's it a might question for you, Michael. If Brett was in this play, what, what role do you think he would play? 
That is such a great question. I want to say Potiphar because he's just <laughs> terrible in the movie. <laughs> what the heck is that supposed to mean? You're not terrible. I just, just want to like see you as Potiphar. Because he's just so exaggerated and they make him like this real. He's so exaggerated. Uh, okay. I don't know. It's, I, I would love to see you as, okay. or Bob Seymour. I'd love to see Bob Seymour, our CFO, okay. as Potiphar. But um, you know what? I don't know. It is. Well, no, you always got to go with your gut. Potiphar I, is the first I, thought. You know what? Yeah, Honestly, was... no, I really would, I would say Ruben. I would say Ruben, the older the brother. The part you played? Yeah, the part that okay. I played. Yeah. Which heavy yeah. shoes to fill. Don't think I could do that. That's right. <laughs> Plus, I had to sing Country Western. You, you had to, yeah, yeah, if you haven't seen it, um, musicals are always better live than they are. I think you guys know that. They're, they're mm. always better live than they are. Um, like oh, absolutely. Yeah, watching them on Yeah, on, it's on just part of the experience. Is, um, never works. But... Um, so if you if you ever get a chance to do it, I think it's on YouTube. You can see the whole thing on YouTube. Um, but it's worth watching. It's good. Yeah, I I, I I've I've seen musicals and then tried to watch them on a screen. Oh yeah, it's, it's it, not it the is. same. It's 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 not at all the same. Although even even not so good musicals can be very powerful when you see them live. Oh yeah. So, well, that, that brings me to the thing. The question. One of the questions we we brought up. We can't spend a lot of time on this, but think about uh, what I opened with is: Have you ever read a book and then you saw the subsequent movie and you're like, oh, that wasn't nearly as good. Or maybe, and this I don't think this happens very often, it only happened to me once, uh, you, ever, you ever read a book, that then you saw the movie, you thought the movie did a better job. Is there any leap to mind, Australia, or, mm. and for those of you listening, just I think of what those might have been. I think of any, um, nothing comes to my mind first of a movie that I thought was better per se, but I remember the first book that I really, like, and I didn't read a lot, I still don't read a lot, but like a book I really read front to cover, wait, Cover to cover. Cover to cover. Yeah, That's how it you. goes. Yeah. Front to cover. <laughs> yeah, I only read the much. front of yeah. it. Um, was The Hobbit. And I remember when that movie came out, which came out after the Lord of the Rings series. Um, I was a little disappointed, I think, because they just yeah. spread it out so long. And the story's <laughs> yeah. so good. And um, I yeah. felt like they, they just didn't yeah. do well, as good a Well, don't feel bad because everybody, I think, yeah. in the universe felt that way about that. Because it's, like it this, wasn't quite as good. it's this story that's not really that long. And they stretched out scenes to yeah. get it into three different. Uh, yeah, they took some yeah. liberties. Yeah, I would actually. I was. I was gonna say the Hobbit myself, actually, because I actually read the Hobbit at least once a year. It's just one of those really? books that I Is go that back right? to. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that one. It maybe. Well, yeah, I did read it this year. I was making sure. Right. Read it. Yeah, but but yeah, I listened to it on podcast or uh, I listened to the audio of it, or I'll actually pick up the book that I have at home and read. Oh, okay, but when you saw the movie, you thought, yeah, oh, I was like, really yeah, like you, I was like, okay. we really had to stretch this into three yeah. movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but oh. I think I've heard a lot of people say that it's that that the movies, The Lord of the Rings, aren't better than the book. My wife's read the book, um, but she says it's not better, but they're good. I mean, they're a good representation of. Yeah. It. But they said they took out one whole character and and uh, things. Yeah. And um, uh, but she said the movies were a respectable handling of it, but uh, the book was obviously better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you ever had the opposite effect though? Is uh, where oh the, the movie's better. I always liked the Green Mile. I thought I don't know. I I don't you know the that book? the I did read the book, but I don't know that the it just something about the movie just captured me and pulled yeah, me in. And powerful. the yeah, book the book had some subtle differences, but they were noticeable from screen right. to book. And I don't really know which one came out first. Really, I, I'm assuming the book came out. They didn't you know make a book after the movie, but right, yeah. Yeah. They used to do that though. Yeah, like they used they to did. do that. Like apparently that was a thing back in seventies yeah, and eighties. They would make a movie, but then they would have a, a book that would tell you go into more detail. Because uh, I remember the cover. This. The cover had the the movie poster yeah. on it, so I was like, is this well, "That's true." Yeah, movie? which which happened? Yeah, yeah. anyway. You know, Jaws so. was originally a book, and then yeah. it became a movie. Mm-hmm. I know that. But oh, the okay. one movie that I saw that I thought was actually better than the book was called The Firm. 
for you yeah, kids out I, there. I don't that's know right. if you remember I've that, that or not. Before. Well, I'm like, yeah, that's true. Is that because John Grisham? The, yeah, the way the movie ends is completely different than the book, and it's better, in oh. my opinion. I huh. thought it was really good. And believe it or not, little known fact, I've read all of A Gone, Gone with the Wind. Really? For the entire book. Yeah. And it's a very, very long it book. Very and it's long the book. only experience that can make the movie feel short. Okay, so wow. this, so if you if you read the book <laughs> and you want to read the three or half hour or four hour movie, it feels like it See, flies by if you read the book. But book. Actually, the book was very good. It was historical and it was really a book I've always wanted to read, and they turn it into a movie. But Les Mis, I've always wanted to read Les Mis. My mm-hmm. wife has bragged about that book deeply. She yeah. says mm-hmm. you absolutely have to read. Yeah. it. she says, and we love the movie. The movie was musical, in- incredible. Right? Yeah, but she said if you love the movie, then you have to read the book. But it's a monster. It's, yeah. Oh know, yeah, seven eight hundred page. Kind yeah. of no, I saw the music. In yeah. New York, oh, actually, gosh, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I did. I got to yeah. see that as well. So good deal. So what is uh, now? This is shifting over to the, the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph is something that most of us are familiar with, either culturally or, or Sunday school wise or whatever else. But uh, it does kind of live on. And and any time I've only preached on it a couple times, uh, but when I do, there there is this identification factor. There's uh, people resonate with it a lot. What is that? I mean, what makes it such a great story? What makes it something that grabs the heart? What is the what is the thing in there that you think really does it for people? Because it typically does. I think there's definitely kind of like that that underdog story that everyone kind of sees no, and true. hears. Oh. I think that for me it resonated with, you know, like you always see that, that idea of like, man, you're always getting, like this person really did nothing wrong to these people and yet keeps getting pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and then finally kind of gets that ending on their own, so... Yeah, and they, I think I've heard it even said in our culture, we kind of gravitate towards yeah. the underdog story. That's true. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah I was going to say the underdog too. I think um, the, and you mentioned this in your message, but he, uh, through everything, through his brothers, um, you know, his brothers trying to trying to kill him and then just eventually, you know, just abandoning him in this, you know, the hole in the ground and, and being wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife and, and all of that stuff the whole time the dude kept his integrity, but he also 20 years later kept his love for his brothers and, um, and for his, obviously for his dad, but like that you, so many times in scripture, you see all this stuff where people, um, like they, they turn this corner, uh, uh, and, and it's just like they're, they get mad. And then there's all of a sudden somebody's dead just because they got mad at them (laughs) and and because you could back in biblical times, it was just sort of like, "Eh, I'm King and you're out. And, um, he didn't do that. He, um, he, and that's what I think is cool. It's another thing that just points him more toward Christ, this idea of forgiveness and, and, um, and extending grace, although grace wasn't, wasn't merited at all. And so that for me stands out really, really strong as a really strong theme and pattern for his life. He was just a guy of integrity. You could tell. And I like the way they, the Bible presents it is not something easy because the process, I think, uh, as we were talking before, uh, Jason, you said you went back and actually read the full story because I left out, I hated it because in one message I had to leave a lot out and I left out one of my favorite parts is his encounter with his brothers and it's stretched out over a while. He doesn't just say, hey, there they are, you're forgiven, we're all good. Right, right. He's, he, he messes with them and you can see this process go on. He's not just instantly everybody's forgiven. He, yeah. uh, did you have a takeaways when you were reading that? Well, you know, I, it was just, I think it was uh, him trying to help them prove how much they, they, they that this meant to them, you know, right. uh, having, having this savior type person helping them out, you know, how, how far are you willing to go? kind of thing, yeah. you know, his whole brother staying behind and them having to go and tell their father and, Oh, now this guy's got, you know, 
Yeah, my son, yeah, yeah. my other son, I've already lost one, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think what makes it so relatable, um, just to go back a little bit, for me anyway, was that um, there's so many stories growing up in Sunday school and stuff like that that are um, that, that require context around the time period, around what was going on in that in that area of the of the world. But anywhere you pick up on Joseph's story is mm-hmm. a normal. St- it could happen, mm-hmm. you know. It could totally right. yeah. happen yeah. from that point. It's relatable. You know? yeah. right. It's so relatable. I mean, yeah. it, uh, to the point of of just. Yeah, I could I could be Joseph, I could be Reuben, I could be Potiphar. You know what I mean? There's so yeah, many we, different we, levels there. Yeah, and it, I think it, that's what makes his story so unique. Yeah, and it's it is it's superhuman in the details with it. and that's why I thought as a strategy for some of you who who struggle to read the Bible, pick a story like Joseph and just read it as a story like you're reading a good short story. It is yeah. you're pulled off as its own single book mm-hmm. because there's so much detail in there. And this is going to sound bad to say, but please catch the spirit of this. I I've I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Quran, there is a version of the Mm -hmm. Joseph story. And it it really helped me appreciate because I read through it. And this is not designed to be a knock on the Quran. It's more like if you read it in the Quran and then you read it in the Bible, you really do appreciate just how rich the Bible is at just good old fashioned storytelling because the Quran takes all the way. I can't explain it, but it just does. Mm -hmm. But the details and the emotion and the humanness of the story of Joseph in the Bible, in the Bible's version of it. I even heard an atheist comment on that one time. He had read both, and he was like, oh, gosh, yeah, the Bible is actually, just forget what you may think of it spiritually. He said, it's it's a good old-fashioned, rich storytelling place. And so I think that's one of the identifiers. Have you in your life, as you you relate to it, I think one of the the things that people capture is um, that sense of, I thought things were going to go one way. And they went the next. They went a different way. In other words, uh, one of the things I said was, none of us knows what God ultimately has for any of us, and none of us knows how God's going to get us there, which is the hard part. Mm-hmm. And he went through some terrible things. You ever did you identify with that in any specific ways? Like, yeah, I remember God chose this pathway to get me to this place that I never would have picked. But now that I look back, I go, oh wow, okay, yeah, that was that was a pathway that was not fun at all, but it got me to a place that I know I wouldn't trade either. And if he hasn't, you can say pass. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> you guys I'm still formulating around. and I'm coming up with and an If you don't say pass, no, no, no. you could say smack I, something up. I really yeah. do. And, and I've, I've given some thought of this, obviously, because uh, I feel like the position I'm in here at One Life is one that took a while for me to get because, okay, not to go too far back, but, you know, as I was getting... I was, as I was getting married and we were talking about having kids together and all this, well, it was, it was one of those things. It was a necessity to have a job that had benefits. I think right. we can all agree with that. Um, so when I did get the benefits and everything, uh, I was in this job that I really didn't care to be in. I was, I was going to go to New York. I was going to be an actor. I was going to do that whole bit. Were you really? You're yeah. going to go to New York? Oh, I yeah. Decided. Okay. Yeah, well, I actually, I actually got offers in California to go out there during summer programs and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. I was like, you know, I, I, I love this woman. We're right. going to get married. And then it was like, now we need benefits. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. So, hey, let's find a career that can actually get some of that out of the way. And then maybe later on we can, we can do our thing. So that's what ac- actually ended up happening. And then I was in that job for 13 years and I couldn't stand it. It was 13 years, 13 years. Yeah. That I mean, was, it was, it, it really put me in a bad place. And I remember my wife saying, you're just really, 
it's really not fun to be around you when you get home. Wow, for 13 years. Well, <laughs> for 13 years. Let's, right, let's just shrink that down until maybe the last two years I was there. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I because, well, you know, yeah. you know I, I have my friends at work and stuff like that, sure, but, but like the yeah, last no, two years were just yeah. rough, and I, I was looking back, and I'm like, where, where is this taking me? This is taking me nowhere. Right. But I was still involved in my, my the, the church I was attending at that time, and I felt like I was really called to be a part of a church in some regard, some way. And, and then when, um, when I took on this position, it wasn't just, I wasn't running away from something, but I felt like God was saying, yeah, this is what I've been prepping you for. You, you've been doing technical work right. for 13 years and now you can do it for my church. And that was kind of where I landed on oh, it. Amazing. So it was kind That's of like, cool. oh, yeah, I love this. This Absolutely. is, this is exactly what he wants, where he wants me to be. So yeah. are you able to relate to that, Michael, or did you, or <laughs> Sorry. We, yeah. we have we, we have, have a, a, a little guest in here. Yeah, That's what Michael said he's, like he's directing at this point. He's watching the video. So it's he's, all good. He spilled, a, he spilled a little bit of water on his shirt on his pants. So okay, he's, he's, he's all right. Sure in other words, okay. he's a child. It's okay. That's good. It's okay. You're good. Just don't touch the camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, um, it may maybe, but not in the like I expected um, things to go a certain way. This is going to sound really terrible, and we've. I feel I can't wait. Uh, uh, Gray, please don't touch that, buddy. Please don't touch that. <laughs> hey, Gray, just just back away from the camera, please. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, maybe not in the way that I, I I I don't think I expected. Sounds terrible. I don't think I expected much from my life. <laughs> When I was younger, you're <laughs> right. That doesn't sound terrible. terrible. Like, okay. My wife and I have talked Everybody about that. Everybody else is like, "Wow, I didn't expect my career life either." <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just so good, this is going to sound yeah. terrible. But my wife and I have talked about it before, and maybe it's just because of childhood and all that stuff. But like, it there was a there was a time where I was just like, I don't even know, like, if I'm going to see adulthood. Like, you had just this weird at a <laughs> young age. Right? Wow, yeah, wow. yeah. We've both talked about it. It was really, it's really bizarre. But um, we were just sort of like, we don't, I mean, I, I don't know. Am I going to see adulthood? Am I going to, huh. it's just this weird thing. And, um, but now kind of, as I look back, you know, factoring in the whole, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, you said earlier, like we were joking, like you are what high school made you or something like that. Was that statistic? Was something? Yeah. Before we started, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. heard that quote from somewhere. Yeah. We are, you are what high school made you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to be that guy that's just like, this is a terrifying <laughs> thought. Yeah, I know. Believe me, high school was not my glory days. Uh, I don't know if I have glory days, but like, it was just, it was really formative for me. Um, like my personality and all that stuff. And, um, oh, my phone's ringing. This is embarrassing. This is, yeah. is that your phone? Yeah, okay. I thought I muted you, my it, phone. Is there is there a mute button on your laptop? Is that a you know it's <laughs> muted? Is that an option? Just interesting. <laughs> Can we talk to our technical <laughs> arts director about that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> get on this that. podcast is off this the has rails. Been such a mess. Yeah. This is great. Hey, this is honest. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I uh, so I mean, as I as I look back on it, though, I think about like um, I think about the the you know everything from. Uh, experiences in childhood to professional experiences and, 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 and personal experiences and all of that stuff. I, how I got to where I am today, I would not have anticipated that life would have, um, that life would have progressed the way that it has in a very positive way. I mean, I just didn't, um, I didn't expect to, um, I mean, I didn't expect to have 
a family. I didn't expect to have, I mean, I just, I didn't do that for my <laughs> you life. Didn't I really didn't expect much out of anything. I really yeah, didn't. So, and so <laughs> that way and, you're not and, disappointed. It is. Uh, it sounds terrible. It's just like anything but here sort of thing. It was just, <laughs> um, yeah. but it, and it is, it's, it sounds depressing, but it like, that's really just okay. being honest. That's what but it was. You, no, and so it's, it's, um, uh, I would not have, I would have not have predicted or prescribed the, um, you know, life up to this point, but I, I also wouldn't regret it. I mean, there's just been a lot of, been really a lot of hard times. I spent 10 years in corporate and it was really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I had those times where I came home and I was not a nice person. Uh, um, <laughs> but as I look back on that stuff, it's just like, absolutely. It's, it's changed and made me the person that I am today. And, um, so I don't know. I, I when you asked the question, I was like, I, I don't know if I have one of those, but I, do but in a it's different okay. Kind of way. I don't know that it's necessarily everybody's pattern, but uh, yeah, sure. And, and Sarah sounded like she was going to chime in there at some point. Oh yeah, I have one. Yeah. I can say pretty quickly as I was thinking about it, it clicked with me. So when I uh, my first full time job out of college, I was working um, at the front desk of a radio station, which is not like the most exciting thing. You think I'm going to go to college and I'm going to work the front desk of right. a business. Um, <laughs> can't wait. And honestly, looking back now, I learned how to talk to people there. Like I was pretty shy, yeah. which is weird to think about now because I love talking to people and I love like, you know, talking on a microphone or in front of a camera or whatever. Um, but that's really where I learned how to talk to people. And if I would not have done that job, I don't think I would have gotten as comfortable um, communicating with all types of people because you meet some real interesting people who I'll come into the front do. doors of a radio that's station. Right. Yeah, I, uh, I people who win prizes and things, bit, yeah. or they call in, and yeah. it's really funny. I actually had a blog, which is a whole other story for another time. People that would call in. So, um, but yeah, honestly, for that, like looking at it now, it's like if I hadn't learned how to just communicate and connect with people there, there's no way I'd be enjoying as much of what I do now. So yeah, well. That one of the things that strikes me about the story, and, and there, the passage that we quoted was in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He says, the scriptures teach endurance, among other things. They teach endurance, which is an interesting choice of words. And it's because, and I think it's because in a lot of those stories, if you'll, if you'll pay attention, their timeline is given. It'll, it said about Joseph, he was 17 here, and it says he was 30 years old. Whenever he when he became that position uh, later of the prime minister of Egypt or whatever, and we forget time scales. Like if you look Abraham's life from the time he got the promise that Isaac was going to come, it was twenty five years later that Isaac came. But for us, it's a couple turns of a page, and so and and if you're sitting inside those lives, and so I think sometimes we get discouraged. I guess the point is we get discouraged within God's timeline because those are long stretches for twenty five years, a good while to be waiting on. Something thinking he probably when he first heard the promise probably thought nine months from today, buddy. I mean, it's it's yeah. going to happen. And yeah. instead, he goes through this whole odyssey uh, that just leads to where he finally has to face the fact. And Joseph was the same way. He's thirteen years in jail, or, or nearly in jail, and just mm-hmm. in prison and all this, or in slavery or what have you. And so, uh, inside that kind of scale, it's hard to imagine uh and we get and we get very especially in you know we live in drive-throughs and we get impatient waiting for the microwave so uh to finish our meal so uh that's that kind of thing and i think we're terrible judges at what we think we really need um i think there's like i think we are i think that we just feel like yeah Yeah. put that out there terrible you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen (laughs) all kinds of depth right here Uh, but no i I think we are i think we're like we think that that this is what we need um but like we end up getting what we really need you know over a long period of a longer period of time and there was a a friend of mine 
uh, we're meeting a couple, a couple of years, several years ago, and we were just sitting, we were just kind of going over each other, each other's stories. And there's a song that we sometimes sing at our, at our campuses. And, um, it says that a line in the song says, you, you make all things work together for my good. And it actually really, it's sort of, uh, loosely based off of the the story in Joseph, um, where it says uh, what you, you meant for evil, um, God meant for good, and um, and and you know is based in scripture somewhat. But um, he said, you know, it's it really like when you sing that, it's it's it's, it's sort of it can be misleading. It's it's not really you make work thing, you make things work together for my good. You make things work together for the good. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it says, yeah. it makes all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose, and. Um, and so he said, like, there might be things in, like, in my story, David's, uh, uh, sorry, Joseph's story, our stories, that um, we can lose heart and think that, like, you know, it's it's working together for my good. Well, not necessarily. It's working together for the good um, and the good of other people, the other people that we're called to, the other, like, the God used Joseph's story, Joseph's pain, Joseph's um, abandonment from his brothers for the good of people that uh, it was, even if it never worked towards for Joseph's good, like that's not the point. Like he, he used that situation to rescue people from the famine. So it didn't always work together for Joseph's good, although it did um, um, in the long run. Um, it wasn't necessarily intended to be for his good. It was for the good of yeah. the, the, the situation. It's good differently. Good exactly. is the ultimate and how much it serves others and, and exactly. these kinds of things. We don't go into it thinking that. We think, okay, if I lose my job, I'll get a better job. That's yeah. what working for my good means. Yeah. Well, that really well, and that's why I love that when yeah. jo- another yeah. defining thing about Joseph is he said, like, this is what you meant, but God... And he, he says it very specifically. It's not you, uh, you meant for my harm, but God meant it for good because of, because of the famine. He didn't say for himself. He wasn't going back on himself. It's another integrity thing with Joseph. It's just sort of like, man, the dude was thinking about the people for the famine. He wasn't thinking about like he's in this high, high like so much authority and he's this really powerful position. He wasn't even thinking about that. He was thinking about the famine. So, uh, And Brett, I know you ended yesterday kind of with this idea of hope um, and shared some statistics and I was going to ask you to share those again um, for sure. So we can kind of just talk about that a little bit. And then the idea of, of hope in so much of like where people, I had someone stop me yesterday and she said she enjoyed the message so much because I was asking her how something was going um, in her and her family's life. They've been going through some tough stuff. And she said, you know, um, Brett was talking about like 13 years and she's like, I feel like I'm on week three and like, I can, (laughs) I can handle, I can handle it. She's like, but you know, it's not going to be that it's not going to be 13 years um, for them. She's like, at least they hope not. Um, but sure. it is one of those ideas of if everyone can relate to something to that kind of Jason was saying, like you can everyone can relate to the story, but you can relate to there's a point in your life, either where you are now or you've been in the past or you, you might be in the near future of where you kind of are in that timeline of waiting for for God to kind of come through. Yeah, exactly. And and the the hope reference was uh, it, it made it made national news. It was in a number of news outlets uh, where the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, said that that America's uh, time uh, life expectancy rather is going down. It's going backwards, and we're the only developed country, the wealthy of the wealthy countries that that's happening to. And uh, they said they lay at the feet of two things statistically. Um, one is the suicide rate went up since last year by a little under 4%, which is massive. But the other one was the opioid crisis and drug overdose is up by nearly 10% since last year, just a little under 10%. And so putting those two two things together, then I also said that there was another guy that said uh, that 
since 1999, the suicide rate in the United States has has gone up by 33%, I think it was. And so it, it is these massive changes. And so you have to lay that at the feet of something. People, it is a new phenomenon. That's always been, those things have always been around, but it's new in, in our culture and world. And why is that? And and I don't think it's all lack of hope, but I do, I, having been suicidal myself and having to struggle with drugs, I do know that's a lot of it is that, because suicide, by definition, is I have no hope. Mm-hmm. As the old saying is, you can live for a certain, you know, thirty days without food, uh, a few days without water, but you can't live a second without hope. Because if hope's gone, that's it. You're you're out. You're gone. There's no future, and so you take your own. So I guess my big question for all of us to ponder, and we can't answer all that right now, but is why do you think hope is on the uh, is just kind of bled out in our country, uh, in our country, in our culture. Uh, especially this is here in America. It's, it's American life expectancy, not worldwide. And so why is hope sort of this gone thing or this thing that's leaking out on the floor? Uh, what's causing that? I have theories myself, but it's a good question to ask. It's an excellent question to ask. That's it's right. so I mean, fascinating that, because if you looked at all the other indicators, if you, other countries or even like you said in developing world, if you looked at other countries, they would look at people in the United States and be like, what are you talking about? You don't have any hope. Like what's... Yeah, you got everything. Yeah. And so I think, so a lot of it for me, like when I think about that, it's just like when you have so much, like when it, not to over-spiritualize it all, but we have so many idols, so many things that we've, that we've out, put out of order, um, importance and significance. We've, we've put those out of order. And I think that probably has a lot to do with it. Um, putting things in a place where they shouldn't be, um, in an order of yeah. loves where they shouldn't necessarily be. So I think for me, that's part of it. Um, like when you expect something that you're never going to get, um, what you expect out of that, because it's not what it should be. So, um, and the reason I think it sounds to your point, it, it sounds cliche to say it. And unfortunately it's, it sounds cliche because I think it's such a truism anymore is because we do live in a place where a lot of people have said outright, I've heard celebrities say this, I've heard wealthy people say this when I finally got what I was going for. And I had that 8,000 square foot home and all that, it really truly didn't it, there was still a vacuum. That's it not was, what I needed. I, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I'm yeah. wandering around and my relationship is erect inside my yeah. 8,000 square foot house. And so that's, uh, and we, again, I, I hesitate to say it almost because it sounds too common to say mm-hmm. it. On the other hand, that yeah. soul bankruptcy thing, people experience it yeah. They when they reach the top of their profession or a certain celebrity status. They, something, wait a minute, uh, it doesn't have what I thought it was going to have uh, when I finally arrived. And that hurts people deeply. Yeah. And and thinking about the idea of, and even taking Joseph's story into this kind of context of like everything that he went through, like everyone, if anyone would have went through one of those things in our society, we would take that as, well, there's no hope. There's nothing left for me. Why am I even trying? And he always had this idea or in in my mindset, at least if if my hope is not in me, if my hope is in something, you know, in me, it's for me, it's Jesus. If my hope is in that, and I believe that's true, that hope is very different than the idea of like, I have hope that I may someday get more money or a bigger house or, or this or that. And if I never get that, oh, well, because this is still there for me. Um, and, and ultimately I think that's, you know, that's kind of our goal and, and creating conversations even on the podcast, but as one life church and the idea of hope, we want to help spread that, you know, and it's going to look different for different people and what that looks like of how they get there. But we all know that it starts with a conversation of, of what, you know, experiences and having an experience and trusting and following Jesus. So 
Um, yeah, it's like, and, it, and if you're looking for just circumstances to line up well, then life is going to disappoint yeah. you pretty well. Because yeah. I've been through seasons where circumstances are great, but I've lived long enough now to know that circumstances are never exactly perfect. They're never, ever, not one day. Uh, sometimes they're a lot better than others. But if you're looking for that, um, you're going to be sorely disappointed. So what do you do with that? How do you adjust yourself that if you find yourself unjustly in another place, what are you going to do about that? Or are you just going to give up hope? But it's hard, and I relate to it. Again, that 13-year spread is a long yeah. time. I feel I feel like uh, in kind of what, what Michael was saying earlier about the our, our ability to judge what we need, mm-hmm. um, I think it also has uh, – you could also look at wants versus needs mm-hmm. um, heavily in that because, you know, what we want for ourselves could be very different from what we actually need. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and yeah. so and so I think, uh, I mean, yeah, this is not an answer to <laughs> that epidemic because, I mean, right. it, it's just I feel like there's a lot of people out there that don't know what they really need. And there's no one there to kind of guide them into that of, of what yeah, they and need. And you're told and, repeatedly what you think you might need. And that is the commercialism society. Yeah. And, and, uh, a, good, a healthy marriage and yeah. these kids and they, yeah. they're going to go to college and you need a job, a career, even like what I said earlier, benefits. That's what I was needing at the time or, or what, what I right. thought we needed, yeah. you know, but maybe that wasn't it. Fortunately for me, it worked out that way. But for those who are, who are lost to begin with, yeah. it's, it's so difficult to sit there and say, well, this is what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Because they think they need something else. Yeah. You know. Well, it is very inward focused. It's very much about I, 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 me, me, me. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and so. so let me ask you a question, kind of even taking that, and this is not something we discussed at all, but I'm going to ask it anyway and see what happens. Um, <laughs> Great. I got this uh, message through the One Life website um, actually over the weekend, and, and I replied to it uh, personally, but um, they were asking a question about the watching messages online, but they had another thing that said that I really... I want to believe in God and in Jesus, but when I pray, I beg Jesus to come into my life. I tell him to take control, but I don't feel anything when I pray to him. Why shouldn't I feel something? And I think even if you even take that same process, I think so many people think that they want hope. And then then people like, you know, maybe at a church or even people like us have told them, like, we think you can find hope if hope is not in you, it's in Jesus. And they ask for that and then they don't feel something. How do we, what do you say to that? Like, what do you say to someone who's kind of in that situation? Well, first of all, I have a lot of sympathy for it because our, our feelings are are, aff, uh, are affirming uh, a lot of times. If you know whether it's feelings of love or feelings of hope, they, they can be expressed in feeling things. So, just feeling like you feel nothing can be extraordinarily painful and difficult. I've I've had somebody say that very directly to me as well. But you also got to through even psychological studies and everything, that feelings always follow actions and facts and movement. Uh, It's never the other way around. They even coach you to, um, I think it's an AA, they'll tell you, always remember that uh, feelings follow action. If you sit around and wait for your feelings to do something, they'll never happen. But on the other hand, uh, we're ultimately moving towards Jesus because we really believe he is the truth and we're acting towards that. And then as you walk towards him, those feelings will come. But if you do it the other way around, uh, yeah, you're going to be sorely disappointed because how do you even define what a positive feeling is one way or the other? You you pursue it because it's the truth. And that's, that's the hard mental thing to get around though. If we really, if I really do believe that he rose again from the dead, that he died for my sins and I get those things and I ask him to come in my heart to say, that's what faith is. It's like, okay, I believe this. 
I'm going to act on it. I'm going to move. And once I start moving, I think those feelings will come, but never get those out of order because, yeah. uh, and, th- and you'll see that demonstrated in other little parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wait around until f- you feel like exercising, well, <laughs> right. uh, you're not going to. Yeah. This is that simple or, yeah, or eat right or whatever else. Eat a lot of the positive things. You wait till you feel it. Then, yeah. And I think you know, along trouble. the same lines, feeling almost always follows understanding. Like whenever you've got the sort of like, whether it's exercising or having a good, and, and it's a better foundation for your faith, understanding uh, in the context of Christianity is a much better foundation than feeling. Um, Because if you gauge your hope based on a feeling or an emotion, that's going to be pretty fleeting um, uh, just because that we can change uh, in in any given moment. So um, I think just developing an understanding, developing a a sort of a knowledge base of uh, of what you believe, um, instead of just always basing it on the feeling, mm-hmm. is probably a better um, place to start. But man, commending somebody that is on that journey—that's that's really cool. Yeah, it's really really cool. I mean, and and you know, I kind of replied similar in the sense of you know that there's probably changes that are happening and you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, even even asking that is probably something different than what you've seen in the past in your life. And so, to continue to keep asking for it and to continue to ask for opportunities to see when it has changed, because I think sometimes that's where we don't realize that like hope is really there because we, things have changed, but we don't. It doesn't feel like it's changed in the way that we think it should. Or mm-hmm. unfortunately, we hear all these stories that sometimes get shared are the most um, these stories that are like really high energy or or really like a really massive change in someone's life. And sometimes it's not a massive change, you know, the people when they're not immediately at least. Um, and so I think that's, that's where you sometimes get to coach people through that a little bit, that their experiences doesn't have to be the same as they've seen on a, um, a Facebook video or something like that. So. Oh, exactly. That's good. I hadn't added that, you know, because you can start defining what's, what's authentic. And then if you don't get that exact thing, and if you'll notice in the Bible, Joseph's story is not repeated. It's not repeated in anybody else's life. That's particular pattern. Uh, it, you know, no, no one else becomes the prince, uh, prince of Egypt, the prime minister of Egypt, or right. whatever. Right. Uh, each one God deals with very uniquely. You know, John mm-hmm. the Baptist had a very different life than Solomon, who had a very mm-hmm. different life from Joseph, who had a very different life from Abraham. And uh, God doesn't tend to repeat much, uh, right. except for the basics. You know, redemption and grace and all those kinds of things. Was I was I the only uh, child growing up that always got this story confused when someone said Joseph? I'm like, that's Jesus' dad. You're it. Um, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, never I'm, made that mistake. I'm going to be honest. My yeah. my team was up. Uh, my worship team was mm-hmm. up at, here at East, and so I was preparing myself for the story of Joseph because I'm like, oh, it's it's natural. We're leading up to Christmas and like, <laughs> and started to study up on like okay, Joseph. number two then. And, <laughs> there is and mine's a little bit more recent. Did you ask that? So yeah. and Why? so when and, and you even you'd even mention it's it in great. a video, like you were talking about the light, and I'm just like, it, it, it totally escaped me. And then so we went to the. <laughs> Message recording on uh, Thursday. I was like, oh, 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 but well, I'm I'm prepared Joseph. for Sunday. Yeah, we've we've talked Joseph. about the, uh, that Joseph, and, and yeah. I was just like, where is he getting this? Because there's not much on Joseph at all. Yeah, that's right. Very yeah. Few and sentences. mentions him a couple. Of, <laughs> I'm like, how is he getting day, this? Is there like some extra biblical Joseph. text or something? <laughs> so you were so. much. So Sarah, were you much like? like right. Man, no wonder he was Jesus's dad. I think I just <laughs> always no, like just as a kid, I'd always hear Joseph, and my mind always went to Mary and Joseph. And then when they'd start teaching on this, I'm like that was his backstory. Like, and then as I, you know, got older and started reading things, but this cartoon version of, yeah, I'd always right. get the, you know, uh, yeah. Names mixed up a little bit. So, That's um, great. yeah, we, sorry, we've gone a little bit over time today. Um, but way to go, Sarah. I think that 
Man, it's definitely I think my it's fault. your fault. Yeah, it's, I no, think it's Jason's no fault. It's the first time he's been on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's probably my fault. Um, and, and we kind of answered a question already, so I won't answer a couple questions actually. But I will ask Brett, what what are we going to be uh, learning on this next? Well, I was hoping you would ask because okay, so when I'm studying, I originally planned something different. I was I was studying the Tabernacle though, which we did a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, in the course of that we have to do the Ark of the Covenant because I decided to pull it out of the message because it was just too much. I had edited it out, and so I decided to devote an entire message to just the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, and, and it's a fun topic because, of course, the movie, Raiders I was going to say, are we going to have clips We are going to have that? to have clips of that. Yeah, of course yeah. we are. We have to show pictures. But it's a fascinating from so many different angles. It's, there's this mystery of whatever happened to the thing. They really don't know. There's yeah. a lot of theories. You can watch YouTube videos like crazy, which I've been doing. There's all kinds of theories of where it might be. and and uh, But also it's such a mystery it does the kill people and yeah. blesses people and the, it, it's 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 fun and, and so yeah we're going to talk about the ark and then we'll apply it, believe it or not apply it uh, to your life shadow, so of, grace. Shadow. Like, shadow of grace just don't get too close or you'll die so bringing yeah. a whip <laughs> i'm gonna bring so, a bull whip and a yeah. Yeah, dude, the whole awesome. thing yeah absolutely we should do that yeah no it'll be fun it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a fascinating topic it really is was for me anyway cool if no one else enjoys it i will yeah well i will all, all right. enjoy it yeah. i'm excited about it and uh we can't wait to have the conversation uh, next week on the podcast continue that conversation and thank you Michael and Jason for joining us today on the podcast it's been fun thanks for having us thank you it was a lot of fun awesome and we will you okay Brett yeah, yeah. Okay. great okay good <laughs> making sure you can still teach on you know and I'm that's excited good. if you can't be here I'll be that's really right. sad that's right that'd be so. terrible then he clunked over dead right there <laughs> we can always show that Raiders of the Lost Ark that's a, that's a backup plan for Sunday <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast and we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Inman. The One Life Church Podcast is produced by me and Thomas Bernardin. Music by Ben Brock and Micah Robertson. To find out more about One Life Church, you can visit onelifechurch.org. Or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.